For the best in metaphysical, spiritual, and holistic programming, you're listening to InnerLightRadio.com, the healing frequency. on innerlightradio.com where we go beyond the surface level of reality and dive deep to reveal hidden truths and exciting revelations. Thank you so much for joining us again for those of you who are tuned in. Today is going to be part two of last week's uh, uh, episode. Oh, sorry, not even last week. We recorded this on January 1st. What am I talking about? Um, uh, but we have started a series on permaculture, which is very interesting and very intriguing. And so in the first part of the series, when we got into dis- discussing permaculture, my guest, Spirit Pilkington, got into what permaculture is in his community specifically. I think uh, when it comes to permaculture on this planet, I think a good majority of people associate it mostly with just, you know, tending to the land, food security, different kinds of sustainability. But in his community, it's more than that. You know, it's our relationships with one another, building community in that in that sense, building relationships with nature. It's, it's like there's more of a wholesome system there. And dealing, and then they also get into dealing with oppression in different communities and then how that's all included in their, their form of permaculture. So today, we're going to be talking about dealing with oppression and how permaculture principles can help in these areas. So specifically, you know, we're talking about colonialism, capitalism, and classism, you know, and I did a whole write-up on my Facebook wall. If you, if some of you want to go and check that out again, um, you know, I had to like create a narrative. I had to paint a picture briefly, you know, so that we can have a full appreciation for, you know, how far we've come and what we've been through. And so I had to touch upon, you know, parts of our past as a civilization that perhaps isn't as bright. You know, there's a lot of darkness there, a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that a lot of cultures went through. And um, it's it's a re- it's a sad reality. It's a reality that we all have to accept. But on the bright side, there's solutions. Now we're in a different place. We have more knowledge and more uh, wisdom now to tackle these issues and to restore the planet back to a greater sense of peace, harmony, and balance and abundance for all people. So today, I welcome back onto my show, Spirit Pilkington. Thanks very much. Yeah, so um, this is good. this is going to get pretty deep. This is going to get intense. But you know, to keep things on on the on the lighter note, like how would you uh? 
want to start off the conversation like in in associating um oppression with permaculture like how does your community begin to tackle uh that area well um with most most aspects of permaculture it's really about designing a system for the elements that are in it um that can mean that there's no one solution for everyone and i think even more to that point what a solution would be for myself who you know i'm a white person white male I, I was born with a lot of privilege before even having to do anything the solution for what I've had to do or my particular path has been uh, or is a, a perhaps a unique one uh, as it would be for every other individual so um, so basically the the issue is that uh, you know What's really not happening is any analysis of uh, of people's journey of where they're at, and that's what permaculture looks to correct. It says, you know, let's do the observation. Let's look at uh, what the reality is for each individual in a given system, whether you're looking at schools or whether you're looking at workplaces, any place where people gather and have discussions uh, and you know um, and this kind of conversation uh, needs to happen it should be a participatory it should be based on the individuals in the room um, so just for example for me I had to really focus on uh, learning what racism is. I don't experience it as a white person. I hear about it in the news and I see it on TV, but I don't personally, I have never experienced it. Um, and so I can't really even speak to all the solutions for what it is um, for someone so, uh, who experiences it because they don't have to go through that learning process. They're, they're in it already. So I'm privileged enough to learn about it from an outside perspective. I think other uh, folks who are in a similar position like me uh, should also um, really take the effort uh, to go out and learn about it on your own, read books, uh, try not to um, bother other people who do experience it um, because there's so much that we can do first on our own to kind of grasp maybe some terminology or just some best practices around dismantling racism and dismantling other kinds of oppressions that exist in our everyday lives. Um, so really, it's an individual journey. Uh, it's based on where we're all coming from. Uh, and uh, and definitely there are people out there, elders and mentors who are uh, indigenous, black, African, people of color, uh, who really speak to a lot of these issues uh, in their own communities in ways that may be more helpful to those particular communities than anything I could ever really have to offer. Um, I'm really speaking to these issues now and today because it's very important for me and it is something that I think a great deal about and I talk a lot about uh, within my community, uh, but mostly I do a lot of listening as well. And I think that's um, that's something I'm also very privileged to be able to do. Mm -hmm. I think like it's great that in your community, they advocate for having, you know, a lot of compassion and understanding when it comes to oppression and communities of oppression, helping people to realize that, you know, we need to be a little bit more sensitive about these things. Because, you know, let's keep it real here. Black people on this planet, or you want to call them African 
whatever you want to label them as, this community of people, which I'm a part of, has gone through a lot of shit. You know, we've gone through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, um, and a lot of that continues in, in on many places on, on this planet. And yes. it hasn't really gotten better, especially Africa as a continent has continued to be raped and pillaged for its resources. And that hasn't slowed down at all. And so in doing right. that, you know, along with the people, they've been used and abused and not they're not really getting the same privileges as other people in other countries. And I think I, I would love to see that be put you know, to an end as soon as possible. I think it's it's absolutely ridiculous. We're living in 2019. There's better ways to obviously operate. But what's great about permaculture is that if we educate um, or if groups like like yours and others educate people on these principles that existed in ancient Africa from before colonialism and, and all of that, like that we can bring back more balance on, on this planet and help to empower the people. Essentially, we have to take our power back. And that's the juiciest part of what I really like about permaculture is that it really helps us to do that so that we're, we're more self-sustainable. We're growing our own food. We're, uh, you know, taking leadership within our own communities. We're not relying on the system anymore. And I think ultimately when it comes to oppression and when it comes to, you know, our monetary system, which deals with capitalism and even classism, like mm-hmm. it's all about us relying on the system instead of mm-hmm. relying on each other. And yeah. I think that's the great thing, of, again, about permaculture, it, the principles of building communities, getting everyone once again to have a, like a greater intimacy with one another. And it's not dealing with romantic or sexual intimacy. It's just an, like a human connection, having an appreciation for one another and all of our stake in, you know, in, in this, what's happening on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many areas that we could really talk about um, in terms of the uh, intersection between permaculture and dismantling oppressions. Um, really where it comes up most frequently, because uh, in terms of building relationships, permaculture's number one tool is the thing that it's most famous for, which is gardening and growing food. Even within the systems of gardening and growing food, we find uh, built-in, locked-in uh, forms of racism, whether it comes from corporate land grabs of, like you say, the African continent or even here in the Americas uh, or elsewhere in the world. You have corporations buying up land that the people can no longer afford who, you know, their entire ancestors for uh, generations have lived there and now they can't even afford this, the very land that they that they helped um you know, cultivate. Yes. Uh, so there are uh, there are racist powers in in terms of who gets those corporations' power and all that sort of stuff. So you, and you also have more subtle forms of racism. Uh, the 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 even within communities of colors, there's a lot of um, from what I hear. Uh, there's a lot of there can be a, a sense of shame or a sense of. Um, I can't be seen doing work in a garden because that that's too much like uh, indentured servitude or slavery. And there is a lot of um, hurt and pain around growing your own food because it was once something that was forced upon people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even people who don't necessarily have that immediate sense um, uh, or relationship with uh, slavery in the Americas, they still uh, feel that – there's no way they can escape these systems if they're 
if they're doing the same thing their ancestors did, even though before we, uh, I say we as white people, stole uh, people from the continent of Africa, that's what a lot, uh, many people were doing in Africa is growing food. They were exceptionally good at it. Um, they were, you know, uh, very wise to their land and they didn't have to put in a whole lot of effort because the land was really well established and they were in right relationship with it. So when those skills and those knowledges are stolen and torn and people are indoctrinated into religions uh, or uh, indoctrinated into believing that, uh, that they're, they're lesser than, uh, then there's this, this um, uh, race-based disassociation from the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, that's just one thing to talk about. But I think that it's an important one because as, uh, like you say, we're trying to build alternative systems outside of capitalism, outside of uh, all of these other isms and, uh, and negative of uh, systems, we're trying to build our own. We're trying to be independent, um, but we're finding um, people are finding that access to land is a difficult thing. Access to knowledge is a difficult thing. Access to the original language, even mm-hmm. um, that your own ancestors would have spoken, can be almost impossible. Even knowing who your ancestors are, obviously, um, some people, uh, you know, ha- have this very real pain. Uh, in in today's life. And and I think that disconnection and disassociation from the very thing that supports and feeds all of us, every single one of us on this planet gets our food from the earth. Um, Then I think that's that's really some of the most urgent work that I think um, permaculturalists, uh, uh, particularly those who are doing this um, intersectional work of dismantling oppressions, that's really where the work is. Mm-hmm. And like, just to go back for a couple seconds, like in my write-up, I, I spoke about, um, you know, this, this, the, these atrocities that happened when colonists, you know, took over certain areas of the planet, you know, when they killed indigenous leaders, uh, you know, from Africa, from the Americas, from all over the place, you know, a lot of this wisdom was lost. And a lot of these traditions were lost in how they took care of their land, their spiritual traditions, like everything was interwoven together. And I think, yeah. um, you know, again, like what I said in my write up, the survivors of of these cultures, you know, experience this form of amnesia where they're completely disconnected from this this wisdom from from their from their ancestors. And I think that's one of the greatest atrocities we've seen happen on this planet where now we're living with millennials like myself and others who, you know, are mostly connected with this world through technology and through media Mm -hmm. and through the news Mm -hmm. and through all this other garbage that is very manipulative and it has nothing to do with like what their ancestors were actually into which was and their ancestors were into beautiful things they had beautiful traditions and beautiful ways of life that didn't only sustain their communities but also was deeply interconnected in sustaining the planet and i think that this is another reason why uh some of the forms of permaculture that is being practiced on this planet is so important because we need to return back to these ways and have a sense of reverence and respect for the the, the, the state that they were at back then and what they knew because what they knew yeah. was very profound and it was very powerful and it was threatening to colonists, which is why they took out a lot of the leaders that had that information so that it didn't get passed down to, to the new generations. Mm-hmm. And what they didn't take out, they used for themselves. Uh, yes. 
So yeah, so th- this is this is a, a big big issue, um, and I think that uh, really in terms of building solutions. They have to be multifaceted. It's a complex problem. There's no uh, one quick, easy thing that you could teach. And even bringing the even bringing up the idea that uh, in schools, I mean, people are struggling enough to get uh, basic access to math and and other uh, essential courses. Let alone the idea of bringing gardens in. But I think that it's that important that it should be taught to to people, whether they're in private or public school or homeschooled. It's very important to have a deep connection to the land, uh, particularly if you don't have one already and and you just need to start somewhere. It can be as easy um, as going, you know, on your favorite social media website, Pinterest or Facebook and finding little things that you can do to grow at home. These small, slow solutions um, is is very much an element of permaculture that I think is really important and often overlooked. It doesn't have to be uh, a, a uh, a massive effort to overturn all of racism in order to be able to do something to undo racism. We can start very small, growing in our own front or backyard or windowsill or any place that gets a little bit of sunshine. We can start uh, growing food there and then seeing how that affects the next generation, seeing how that uh, uh, lights up uh, the face of a young person when they see their own efforts change a seed into a plant and then later on even eat it. I think that that level of thinking, even though it seems almost insignificant in the in in terms of the uh, size of the problems that we've even brought up uh, so far, I think those types of solutions can actually go a long way. We really look at when we look at the problems of colonialism, um, we always want to talk about how can we decolonize? How can we um, come back uh, from having taken away land and stolen stories and uh, murdered and pillaged and raped and and be um, decolonized in our own minds? Um, so this is something I think especially important for people such as myself of, of uh, European lineage and, and who have uh, white privilege and things like this to really think about how are we colonized in our own minds? How are we oppressing ourselves or those people around us just through not questioning our own motivations? Mm-hmm. Um, and so certain certain little things can just help get us out of these mindsets, um, going uh, intentionally into places where we're uncomfortable um, and and being okay with being uncomfortable, I think, can be uh, really important for people to kind of decolonize their mind, to, to stop trying to change every space, to make it comfortable for us, to make it uh, welcoming and loving and accepting, uh, you know, when not everyone gets that. Not everyone gets that same service, I, I've, I've come to understand. So um, I think it's really important to kind of undo some of these systems, even if it's one small step at a time. Mm-hmm. And like one one point I want to go back to that you mentioned that I really loved was seeing the the light, the smiles on people's faces, especially children when they reconnect with nature in that way, where they're growing their own food and they watch the progress. I think yep. like the magic in that is is absolutely incredible, and I obviously experienced it this summer and previous summers. For those of you who don't know, I have been working in uh, one garden. That is run by PG, uh, PGTA, which is Permaculture GTA here in Toronto. And working in that garden, I would see 
did it did change me in many ways. Like I didn't think I was gonna feel so relaxed and so healed after planting seeds and doing watering. Like doing just base mm-hmm. it seems very basic and very mundane, but there's so much more to doing all that that can like be perceived. It has to be experienced. And I think yeah. once you experience it, you're like, whoa. Like, this is pretty awesome. Like, you feel uh, like you're developing more of a deeper relationship with nature itself. And yeah. that's that's who we are. We are a part of nature. And I think through colonialism and what happened on our planet, the people who colonized, I think, lost this wisdom or perhaps didn't have it at all. I don't really know. But it didn't mm. seem evident that they had this wisdom. And, you know, and realizing that we are a part of nature and nature is a part of us. So if you distor- destroy nature, you're essentially destroying yourself. And yeah. so, um, yeah, revisiting these these ideas, this wisdom and bringing it back, I think, is so essential. And again, like your organization that you're part of and others, they're doing a lot of great work in this area and, and bringing this back to the forefront. So good job. <laughs> it's really, really incredible. Yeah, thank, thank you. I, I mean, I, I definitely can't take any of the credit. I have to uh, take a moment to really acknowledge the elders uh, in my community who have really done all of the hard and heavy lifting. I came in um, and and have enjoyed and uh, benefited from a lot of the hard work of Chief Coker, uh, of many other individuals in, in the community. So you can check out that community, Permaculture, like Permanent Culture, GTA, that stands for greatertorontoarea.org. Uh, website needs a little work. If people have suggestions, you can send them along. But please just feel free to connect with the community to find out uh, what we're doing. Um, you won't be communicating with me. You'll be communicating with our uh, small little admin team. Uh, we would welcome your suggestions, donations, encouragement, participation, uh, anything at all. If you want to send those communications along, um, I would really, uh, I would really encourage that for any individuals listening, no matter where you are in the world. We have uh, satellite locations in Jamaica, as well as New York, as well as uh, in northern Ontario, uh, here as well as in African Nigeria. So I would really encourage anyone to check that website out and to really engage with our community. I think this permaculture community, based on uh, about 10 years now uh, doing this work, I would say is one of one of a small number of them uh, that really looks at different um, social, economic, uh, basically just all the different intersections. Uh, whether it's LGBTQ issues, whether it's, uh, you know, really indigenous land rights, water rights, um, and almost all of these topics are addressed in some of the solutions that this community has really um, started to raise. And I think there's only more to come in the future as more people do get engaged around the world uh, with trying to find these solutions, but also trying to find a way of life within it. There, there has to be a way to sustain the individuals. And I know that you're, uh, I think, well, based on some of the write-ups, we're really hoping to kind of get into the economies, but I think you can't even talk about some of this stuff uh, until you talk about what the goal is for creating mm-hmm. a new economy. Um, and so the, you know, obviously some of the goals would be a, a, a more equitable uh, dis- redistribution. Um, you know, I know that word can be sounds very scary for people. It reminds them of communism in Russia or, or Cuba or different things. But there is a way of 
uh, addressing some of these social systems that are based on uh, the way it used to be done. I mean, it used to be that if there was a king or a prince in the land, someone who had way more wealth than the other people, they would be the ones to make the infrastructure purchases. They would build the bridges. They would, um, you know, build the uh, fund the com- building of the community center, and then the community would come together and uh, and do the do the labor and do everything else. So I think this is um, more of a way of trying to find a balance between the best parts of capitalism. Yes, I know it might even sound like a, an oxymoron, but there are some good elements uh, related to the individual freedoms and things like that that happen in capitalism. And then there are some good elements of communism and socialism that you can, um, I think if these ideas were pulled together and a, a fairer balance was found between private and public, uh, between, um, you know, uh, socialism versus individualism and things like that. Once a, a balance is struck, I think we're getting closer to a system that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very um, well said. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. I don't think I can um, add very much more to that. But yeah, I think essentially what's great about uh the community that you're a part of and others that are, are like your community is that like dealing with, with uh, these global issues, like, you know, dealing with our economy, monetarism, dealing with our, our disgusting political system, which is a complete shame and a joke, um, mm. you know, dealing with all these issues. It's like, we need, a, we need a solution that's wholesome and inclusive. We can't just focus on just the farming. We can't just focus on just the renewable energy or just the, Whatever the heck else it is. Like, we need uh-huh. a system that incorporates everything and brings it all together. And thus far, I haven't really seen a lot of organizations that focus on that. It's usually one thing or the other. And then getting uh-huh. those organizations to play nicely together and work together is a whole other can of worms. <laughs> and it can be very difficult based on the individuals involved, you know, and whether or not they've done the ego work and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, so if we can find a way to bring these principles and these systems together and find a more wholesome, not even find, create a more wholesome balance between all these things, I think then we're on to something. We're on to something great. And I think from what it looks like, PGTA is on to something great. Thanks. Yeah, I really feel that way. I've felt that way since the beginning um, that, well, I didn't I didn't quite know all the details, but I knew I had stumbled onto something uh, life changing and it has absolutely changed my life, changed the way that I think and see the world. Um, and uh, I, I think we have a, maybe a break coming up soon, but I think after the break, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the things that organizations like Permaculture GTA, PGTA has done uh, to to really uh, take those small and slow solutions and turn them uh, or show them to be just as effective on a, on a larger scale. I think that'll be fantastic. Because like, yeah, getting into some of these greater details is going to help to paint a bigger picture on how permaculture can actually help assist in in all these areas. And I think a lot of people will probably be confused, like, how do what does growing food have to do with decolonization work or creating conscious economies or you know creating more equity for people? You know, they're going to be a little bit, uh, you know, I guess confused or scattered in these areas. But there is a way that permaculture does link into all these different uh, intersections, which which is pretty amazing. And That's so, true. yeah, so before we get into the break, I also want to get your opinion on appropriation. 
We have two minutes left. If you could quickly give it, and then you can go into this a little bit after the break too, but I think discussing a little bit on appropriation is very important because we see this happening all over the planet when it comes to white people. And a lot of color folks are not happy about it. And I think it's it's about time that a, a lot of uh, white people come to have a greater understanding of what it is and to maybe stop doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with that. So uh, appropriation, for those who might not have heard the term or maybe heard uh, an incorrect definition of the term, as I understand it, appropriation is when a people of, um, I don't want to say greater power, but a people of greater privilege perhaps, uh, takes a cultural or social actually just a cultural element from any culture with less privilege uh, and then either, I mean, through a series of different steps that include mocking and include belittling and then eventually appropriating, copying, um, and without giving any acknowledgement to the original culture. So some really great examples of this is uh, yoga practiced entirely by white people, uh, uh, calling themselves yogis, uh, practicing it only with other white folks and not giving any acknowledgement to uh, Indian or Hindu culture, uh, mm-hmm. where it originally comes from. There are many, there are thousands of examples. Okay, um, so but- let me just stop you there quickly. We're at one we're at one thirty right now, the bottom of the hour. But when we come back from break, I definitely want to just touch upon more about about appropriation and solutions for it. So we'll be right back. to the right place. My name is Caleb Truth and I'm your catalyst dedicated to sharing good vibes, mind expanding and heart-centered information. 
Knowledge is power. In this fast-paced world, it is so easy to get distracted by the matrix and miss out on connecting with the right people and information that will truly help you in living your best life. On this radio program, I save you time and energy by sharing awesome people, new discoveries, life solutions, and wisdom to help you take action and create a positive shift in your life. I invite you to join me and share in this exciting adventure. Listen to Beyond the Veil on innerlightradio.com every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Beyond the Veil, inspiring conscious evolution. For the best in metaphysical, spiritual, and holistic programming, you're listening to innerlightradio.com, the healing frequency. All right. And we are back. And boy, does it feel good. Okay. So on today's radio show, we were talking about permaculture once again as a continuation from last, or not, again, not last week's episode, but the previous episode that we've recorded. And uh, this is now part two. And this is, we're going into a discussion about oppression and how oppression affects us in different ways and what the solutions are. Before we went to break, we were touching upon uh, appropriation. And this, for me, is a very important thing because in North American culture, there's a few things that we have to understand. And that is these systems, you know, in this area of the world have been set up by people of privilege. They have their own opinions. They have their own way of life, their own way of thinking, you know, their own way of, of perceiving things. And if we're not careful, even as color people, you know, or people of color, you know, we can end up taking on a lot of mental programs that are unhealthy for us. And so when we when we watch, you know, some white people participate in appropriation, I think for a lot of color people or people of color, like sometimes they kind of gloss over it because, you know, they're used to being oppressed and they're used to like having to deal with a lot of unnecessary bullshit. But I think now we're coming to a point you know, this 2019, it's time for people to speak out more when they see these things and to talk about it and to share information about what this is so that we can put a stop to it. Because essentially it's going to continue if we don't if we don't become more vocal about it. And I think essentially if anyone of, you know, white descent, European descent or whatever is going to start talking about yoga or cacao ceremonies or ayahuasca journeys or any of these things and they're not they're not sending any kind of monetary compensation to any of these other communities there's something wrong with that there's something very wrong with that because these people are already being oppressed as it is they're already being put under economic you know emotional spiritual pressures and that has to be appreciated and again the system is not going to show you how to appreciate that because it's not set up to do that and so this is why I brought this up in the conversation, because we have to take it upon ourselves to expand our awareness on this and make sure that we have an appreciation for it. So, Spirit, can you continue to elaborate on appropriation and provide us with a couple quick examples? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned before the break, so uh, appropriation is something that happens, um, which is Sometimes it's perfectly innocent. It's an exchange of culture. Sometimes this happens as a natural fact of people traveling from one place to another, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. What you, when it becomes a problem, is when there's no acknowledgement. Like you say, there's no attempt at um, 
giving either financial compensation or even just a simple thing like acknowledgement. Um, from what I understand, what I was taught from Chief Coker, this can make a huge, huge difference. Oh, I learned this in India by this particular master, you know, maybe go visit them, go visit their school, go spend some money there, or maybe every, you know, 5% of all the classes that I get, if I was taught uh, as a white person by someone of color, you know, I, I should be sending those funds to where they're needed. And I might need some, but I might also have some extra so I can give some back. So I think the giving back, the acknowledgement, is always the key solution in in any um, in any situation where appropriation is possible. And before I appropriate myself, I have to uh, again give acknowledgement um, that even this conversation, uh, a lot of the education, a lot of the awareness that I got, I got from other people of color, from Chief Coker, who is my mentor and sensei um, uh, within the community here, and there are other elders as well who have taught me a great deal. Um, and so. Uh, Maybe if uh, you know if you if you talk to me outside the show, I can uh, tell you a lot about some of those elders and things like that. But I think it's very important, even within the per permaculture community, uh, that this kind of acknowledgement is occurring. I'm part of several online groups that deal with a lot of uh, people from all over the world, from France, from Germany, from the United States, and other areas in Canada. And uh, there is a, definitely a lot of talk about how best to grow your apple trees and how to get the biggest carrots, but there isn't a whole lot of acknowledgement of the people, the land, where that uh, growing is happening, um, or particularly if there's wisdom being shared, where that wisdom comes from, which is very often people who have uh, a deep and uh, sometimes centuries or millennia old uh, connection to the land where that growing is happening. So within the permaculture community, Almost all of the wisdom that we don't gain for ourselves through our own observation comes from indigenous communities, comes from uh, black Africans of the diaspora. Uh, and so it's very important for us permaculturalists to not only be doing this work and to be doing it um, even when it's hard, uh, but to be doing it with an acknowledgement and a gratitude towards those who have come before us on this land and on other land and um, who have brought us this wisdom. I think it's a critical piece um, uh, to do that acknowledgement. I, mean, I think it's absolutely critical because, you know, we need to honor what these communities have been through and keep them in our hearts and in our minds and not forget. And it's very easy to forget in this fast-paced world, as people can hear in my radio ad. We're living in a very fast-paced world where information is coming at us like it's never come at us before. And unless yeah. we really focus in on the things that actually truly matter, which is like survival, which is like learning how to grow your own food, which is like learning how to build your own shelter and sustain yourself – you know, we're going to forget, we're going to get pulled in all these other directions. And then once again, maintain like this, this status quo, which is kind of, you know, have, being globally enslaved by a monetary system, you know, and having access to crappier food, water, air, all these things. And it's not necessary. We don't have to live like this. We can choose to live right. in a better way, which is why permaculture and other communities are, that are doing this work, it, you know, it, it, they're, they're highly respected and, you know, they should be supported more. Because this is what yeah. we need on this planet to really experience uh, a paradigm shift, uh, you know, and so we can all start experiencing abundance. I think we were all meant to live in abundance, but we're not going to get there if we don't 
fully have an appreciation for the darkness of our past and for the darkness that continues, uh, you know, that needs to be healed. Uh, if we shed light on these areas and have these discussions like we're having right now and like other communities have online, you know, this is one step towards creating that that better world. And we need justice. We need justice for, for these for these groups of people. And we're the only ones that can bring that justice. The, the white people who control a lot of these systems, they're not going to do the, any of that work because they are very comfortable benefiting off of all these communities and continuing to rape and pillage the land and live in whatever you know, dysfunctional ways they're living. They're obviously not going to change. And if people think that they're going to change and that these politicians are going to all of a sudden turn around and do a 360 and start caring about these things, I think good luck with that. That's not going anywhere. We've all been pleading at politicians here in Canada and the United States and the UK, you know, for certain things, but it's not, it's, it's, it's going at a snail's pace and we don't have time anymore. We're running out of time as you and I and others have also discussed climate change. You know, the clock is ticking. And so if we're going to really enjoy being human on this planet and, you know, see our species prosper into the future and perhaps become a, a type one civilization like Micho Kaku talks about, where we can leave the planet and explore space, we got to start getting our shit together, which means we needed to work together and get justice for these communities and start growing our food and start becoming more self-sustained. So um, in your community, like, you, you know, we, you talked about how you do this anti-oppression work or decolonization work. What is your community's perspective on money? How can we exit this current monetary system and sustain ourselves? Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm not well, expecting I... for you to provide a whole complete solution, but, <laughs> you know, just like some little tidbits and ideas of how we can transition out. Mm. Uh, that's a great question. So, I mean, I, I, first of all, I can't speak for the entire community. I can really just speak for myself and some of the solutions that I've come across. Um, but that is, of course, grace of, of being in a really wonderful group of people who are uh, freely sharing some of these ideas. So some, some things have been brought forward. Um, Bill Mollison, the person we spoke about in the last program who originally coined the term permaculture, um, all of his uh, teachings were all based on indigenous wisdom. Uh, and one of the things that he comes up with in the end of his, uh, well, one of his books, the, the designer's manual, permaculture designer manual, um, is to base economies off something different. So economies uh, today are based on, well, it's actually at this point, it's just digital. Everything's online. It's not really based on gold like it used to be or any other kind of actual standard it's based on market fluctuations and all kinds of really complicated algorithms what he was proposing instead in order to create an economy that it grows uh, within natural constraints and at a natural pace uh, but it still grows um, was to base wealth on trees so each country or each nation or tribe or what have you group of people uh, within imaginary borders and boundaries uh, can examine the wealth of the land, can examine particularly uh, perennials, which are plants that keep coming back every year, like trees or, or like many other uh, flowers and, and different things, shrubs. 
that produce something that is useful for human beings, specifically to feed us, uh, but it could be uh, even stuff like bamboo that's useful as a construction material. So we would look at uh, natural resources as our source of wealth. And what this accomplishes is two things. It accomplishes an economy that literally grows. You know, one, one tree produces enough seeds for a hundred other trees um, over its lifetime or, or sometimes thousands. Uh, so that's a way that it's, it naturally can grow on its own. Uh, and another thing that it does is it bases our economy off of preserving what we have as opposed to uh, right now, uh, based on another talk that I had just been to fairly recently in New Brunswick, which is a province here in Canada, the, the people who own the land who have lots of old uh, growth trees on it are finding economically they have no choice but to cut those trees down and send them to pape and pulper mills wow, uh, and, get, and get some money on that. And they're, they're clear-cutting still in 2019. Wow. And you find these huge empty lands where now erosion is going to happen and soil is lost and things like that. To me, there's, it makes no sense to feed yourself today if it means you lose the soil tomorrow. And I'm not talking about in some long distant future. I'm talking about next year. After you clear-cut, you have nothing there. Um, and so... There, while there are some efforts to stop clear-cutting, it's this kind of idea that you should take and sell what the nature gives you no matter what consequence comes after uh, that is extremely destructive and problematic. So simply basing economies off nature herself, how she provides for us, basing our electricity off of wind and solar and waves, energy that's already there for us um, to harvest without doing any, anybody any, or anything any harm, as opposed to um, in Calgary right now, you've heard of Keystone, you've heard of the pipelines and things like that, the ways of taking, uh, uh, you know, natural resources, so to speak, and just burning them or, or using them in a very destructive way, this has to end immediately. So I think all the, all any um, suggestion for how to work an economy, how to run an economy is useful and beneficial if it keeps Mother Nature in mind, if it keeps uh, the patterns of nature in mind. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think it should be top priority. And if it's not, I think it's dysfunctional <laughs> because we need we need nature to be healthy and thriving for us to be healthy and thriving. So any any form of system that doesn't do that, I think, is incomplete. Absolutely. So one thing that crossed my mind as you were saying all that uh, in talking about preserving the land it kind of made me think like, you know, we're dealing with these two opposites, consumption versus preservation. And I think that our the current society that we live in has obviously lost these principles of, of uh, wanting or even desiring uh, to preserve. Like we, we've lost the value in that. We don't see the value in it anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, this we're living in this this time of instant gratification where you can order your groceries online now. You can get everything on Amazon or, you know, whatever. We have these convenient grocery stores. And I think because we have lost that connection with actually having our hands in the soil and growing things ourselves and having that level of responsibility, you know, it it's further empowering these oppressors, these people who run the system to, you know, amalgamate more power and control. Yeah. 
Yep, absolutely. And I would say even go one step further. We talked about it a little bit in the last show of going beyond simply preserving and not losing more, which is absolutely as vital as you say it is. Um, what permaculture aims to do is to kind of regenerate, rejuvenate existing or uh, damaged systems. So we would go into New Brunswick uh, and reforest and, and protect those lands and encourage them to be healthier. Um, and uh, we would do that for all, all all sites that are in a similar state. Um, in the United States, uh, your listener, uh, listeners there will know about Superfund sites, which are massive, incredibly toxic sites that are uh, not fit for uh, human habitation anymore. But there, it doesn't mean that they have to stay that way necessarily. There can be, um, although granted it's expensive, the, the work that uh, has to be done to restore those lands to a once again productive and beneficial, uh, I think is just as important as not cutting down any more national parks, uh, mm -hmm. not um, not extracting oil from sensitive ecologies underwater or uh, in uh, Alaskan ice fields and things like that. These these places might seem very distant, uh, but when it comes to a future on this planet, there's no corner that will not affect us eventually. I'm so happy that you brought that up because I want to I want to paint this picture for the folks that are listening listening to this radio program right now and even for those who will listen to the podcast later let's think about this right now there are facts that have been presented that state of that a lot of the soils in america right now are so depleted that very soon it will not be able to produce any crop so what does that mean that means that these grocery stores that many of us are depending on to get our oranges and our apples and our whatever else kind of produce it won't be there anymore, you know, mm. or maybe they're going to have to get it from somewhere else. But either way, the parts of this system that we're currently depending on are bound to collapse. And I think that's something that people really need to grasp right now. This is an idea that they really need to understand. This system is unstable and it's going to crash. And I think we're already in the middle of seeing it slowly disintegrate and deplete. And, you know, it's like what they say when you can't build a, an empire on sand or a, a castle on sand, it's going to come down. And um, if people can understand that and grow a greater appreciation for the basics of life, like soil, then I think we'll be on to something. And I think, again, this is something that is being done really well by your community and others, you know, to help expand people's awareness on that. That something so basic as soil, that it's so mundane, you know, but provides us with so much on this planet. Without that, we have nothing. I mean, obviously, we need the air and the sun and the water as well. But, and all that, you know, accounts for all, like a whole entire wholesome system. But, you know, this is like just soil itself, I think, has not been fully appreciated and we don't have full gratitude for it. And, um, yeah, I think that we need to, like, work on that. As, as, a, as a civilization, Grow, growing awareness and educating people in, in those areas is so important. Well, that's it. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before a little bit in terms of a small, slow solution, having a little bit of soil inside of an egg carton on your kitchen counter. It it first establishes this is where food comes from. And then if you look at your, maybe you have a backyard, front yard, maybe you live in an apartment or condo with a balcony, or maybe you don't have any of those, but you have a park nearby. Uh, you have 
then the ability to connect to other soil and see life growing there uh, and maybe see the problems with what's going on there. Maybe the only thing that your park is growing is uh, dandelions, uh, but that can still be a resource for folks. Uh, we see a lot of, in Toronto here, we see a lot of community gardens popping up in underutilized spaces. Uh, there's something called guerrilla gardening, uh, which is uh, what you've done a little bit about uh, in Toronto here, which is where we, uh, without permission, we take over a space and, and begin to beautify it where it was once um, highly unproductive or in, in the case of that garden, uh, even polluted. Uh, we had to do a lot of um, reconciliation of the land to rebuild it, to um, improve it, the quality, uh, remove a lot of garbage and different things like that uh, before it could be useful. But, you know, it, it started for me very small before I had imagined doing uh, working on projects of that magnitude it really started in my own backyard uh, working with my own mother uh, in a garden and so I think that's why uh, gardening is so attractive to the permaculture community even white folks because it's a way of doing some good um, that you don't have to think about it. You don't have to think, oh, is this really doing good or is it doing harm? It's always doing some good. I mean, keep the Roundup and the Monsanto out and, and you're, defi <laughs> you're definitely making uh, steps in the right direction. Even if you bring up uh, Monsanto and all this nonsense, it's like, you know, you and I have discussed this, I've discussed this with all my people and it's like, how do we arrive at a place on this planet where we're allowing a corporation to have control over the genetics of a seed? It's it's like, excuse me, like I didn't sign up for this. This is ridiculous, you know. Like, it, I just it baffles me that that we allow these things to happen as as a, as a as a people. And I think that kind of nonsense really has to stop. Like that that stuff really gets my blood blowing. And if you're listening to this. And that doesn't get your blood boiling. I don't know what will. Like you're, we're, we're allowing some crazy people out there to do whatever they want, have full control over a seed, a seed that was there and in development, you know, going through the process of, of of evolution for millions of years, and then they want to come in and just claim that like it's theirs. Just like yeah. in certain states, you can't even collect rainwater. Like you know, right. like it, it's excuse. It's like what? Like, I can't even when I hear these stories, when I read these articles, it, it, I can't believe it. I, it's just like insane. If someone would have told me this when I was a child that, oh, you know, you're going to be living in a future where a corporation is going to have control over seeds and they're going to ban collect, collecting water. I'd be like, no, you're lying. That's that's just. <laughs> but this is the crazy stuff that we're living in, folks. Like we're living in a world we've allowed people to have so much control that they're they're dipping their hands into everything they can get their hands on. And unless we start to put a stop to that and speak out and stop participating and buying their products, buying their services and paying attention to their crap, they're going to continue to take more power and take more from us. And I think one of the greatest things about uh, participating in permaculture or any form of sustainability is we're, you know, step by step taking some of that power back. Because yeah. as a collective, we have the numbers. We're greater than they are. We have more power than they do. And I think through the Occupy movement and other things that happen on this planet, we came into that realization again. It did fizzle out, sadly, due to many circumstances. But it was a great reminder that if we do all work together and collaborate together and care for one another, we can 
overcome all of that ridiculousness that's going on. There is there Absolutely. is a better way. Absolutely. And it does take a village. Um, another a name for the Permaculture GTA is the modern village or the hashtag modern village. And I think it's important. Um, I know we don't have a whole ton of time left, but it is important to mention a lot of communities who are doing a lot of good work in terms of uh, restoring uh, healthier systems uh, in place of some of these more toxic institutions. Uh, I can speak to some in Toronto. I'm sure there are others, uh, other sister groups in whichever city you're listening from. Uh, but for instance, here in Toronto, you have uh, 519 Community Centre downtown doing a lot of work uh, with LGBTQ people uh, to not just not just be a safe place to be heard, but also putting on regular workshops about food and about health and uh, things like that. And then you have another uh, great uh, group called Food Share uh, who takes, uh, who does composting workshops and they take uh, food that uh, looks a little imperfect and then they redistribute it to families and folks in need. Um, there are many other sister organizations that work alongside the hashtag Modern Village. Um, women's centers, uh, rooftop gardens. Uh, there's too many to name, really. But everybody who wants to take their little corner and make it a little bit more green uh, is doing this work. Whether you call it permaculture or whether you just call it uh, gardening in the backyard with grandma, it's it's good work. Uh, and it's important to include different generations. It's obviously vital to include uh, a, a diverse set of people uh, from all kinds of um, different backgrounds. And like me, I come from a technology background. I didn't come from a gardening or even a permaculture background. Originally, I discovered it. So any of you out there listening, you have the same ability. Um, I, again, would highly encourage you to connect with the hashtag Modern Village, permaculturedta.org um, for a uh, a, a community that's not just focused on care for the environment or care for the earth. There's also care for people and uh, another ethic called fair share, which is where we get into some of the governance uh, and some of the way of life uh, of permaculture as it is in my community. Mm -hmm. And again, thank you so much for sharing that information. Um, let like folks, let's remember, you know, this system right now, we have a couple minutes to close or one minute to close. This system right now is, is very seductive we're being pulled into like different forms of temptation through media through through restaurants through shopping through movies entertainment all this kind of stuff and all of this is a distraction you know it's like living in a giant disneyland it distracts us from the things in our lives that have true value which is our relationship to nature and our relationship to one another so what i would encourage everyone to do is check out this website permaculturegta.org or others that you know are similar and get reconnected again get reacquainted with nature get reacquainted with these principles and i i feel i i can almost guarantee that it's probably going to transform your life in one of the best ways possible but so we're going to return in the future again for a part three of this series of, with, about permaculture and we're going to dive even deeper into a lot of the intersections that permaculture gta um deals with and, and and works with and works on um so if you want to again follow me on instagram it's at caleb truth same thing on facebook and twitter my website is www.caleoftruth.com uh you can also connect to my podcast material on that so with that said thank you so much for joining me here today and for being with us 2019 is the year. If you really want to spark something off and start a new way of life and be a positive force for change, now's the time to do it. 
So see you all again next week, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Bye now.